And this group, there's several of them will jump in anytime we want them yeah, to. So. so what I would like to do, uh, good, good evening, it's great to see you, good to be here, appreciate, I'm humbled that all of you came out here. Um, and if you could be Vanna White for me tonight, Angie. <laughs> We're gonna to need to carry that microphone around the room. But here's what I hear uh, from the Spirit of the Lord. I, I wanna ask you to do something, okay? And I, I've, I've discerned the, the room, and I know the ministries, there's great ministries here. Uh, there's a number of people here that could take this seat and feed us all. I know that. Um, and what I need to hear from you tonight is a, a, a verse out of the scripture or a set of verses that God is specifically ministering to you about your calling and ministry in these days. Now, it can be something he said when he first called you, but it's still living. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we won't have time for everybody because this could take a half hour. I'm going to give it five minutes because we're going to have a round table more than a one-way dialogue. But I need this. I need to hear what God is saying to you through his word. So get your Bibles and get the scripture that you know God is speaking to. Now, if you're not really on the same page as that right now, that's not something God that just comes immediately to your spirit, then just relax your gift and don't worry about it. Because all I need is those people that God is pushing right now with his words. And so what we'll do is I'm going to just ask you to stand when, it's, when you want to read and I'm going to ask you to share your scripture. Don't preach. Don't, don't do commentary unless you just have to, you know. I mean, if it, we're going to discern if it's really God or not. Because none of us are here to waste time. You know what I'm saying? So, but who, uh, I'd like to hear what God through his word is saying to you. And I want to get it on tape. And I don't know if you guys can move that camera. But I think our viewers can, can follow you that. So just go ahead, brother. All right, no commentary. <laughs> Sorry, I'll give you this commentary is Psalm later. Two eight. Ask of me, mm. and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possessions. This happens to be my life verse. Let's let's stop. Let's do that one again. Now listen, that is Christ Himself speaking to the ministers in this room. That's not just a little Bible memory verse. That's Christ himself. That's yes. wisdom. Yes. Crying yes. out at the heads of the noisy streets. And when he said that, it should have hit your spirit like an impartation. And read it. If you want to, read it two or three times. But this is what, okay. here's what this is about tonight. I, God gave me this word. He says, I want you to talk about how to replatform your ministry. Mm -hmm. Okay? Amen. I want Amen. you to platform your ministry or replatform your ministries. Amen. The scripture says that when the sower sows, the harvest is either 30, 60, or 100 fold, or zero. Mm -hmm. Some of the birds steal. Right now, real quick, do an evaluation of your ministry. Just do a quick impulse evaluation. 
And out of the percentage of harvest, the yield that you should be producing by now in the kingdom, is it zero? Is it 30-fold? Is it 60? Or is it 100? Get a number. And when you got a number, wave your hand at me. Where are you at? 30, 60, 100-fold. How many of you got a number? Everybody in here is a minister. It shouldn't take that long. Shouldn't take that long to figure that question out. Okay. Now listen, my goal is to get you from wherever you are to 100. Amen. Amen. That's the goal. Amen. Go ahead, brother. Read it two or three times. All right. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Read it again. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word. Go ahead, read it again. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. Come on, Holy Spirit. And, wow. Come on. Wow. <laughs> the ends of the earth for your possession. He's going to read it one more time, and I want the next person to stand up while he's reading. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Come on, sister. We're going to get you on microphone because we want our Facebook audience to be able to hear all this. Isaiah 58. And if you will offer yourself to assist the hungry and mm. satisfy the need of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom become like the midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your soul in scorched and dry places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water. And this is really for this church. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up and restore the age-old foundations of buildings that have been laid waste. You will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets with dwellings. Thank you, Father. Hang on. 30, 60, 100 fold. 30, 60, 100 fold. How many of you were satisfied with your score? How many of you are dissatisfied with your score? Raise your hand and say this, Lord, Lord I'm not satisfied with my harvest. I'm not satisfied with my harvest. Show me how to harvest the field I'm in. How to increase the yield. Show me how to replatform my ministry. Let her read that again. Now, come on, you guys. You ought to, the Holy Ghost is here. You can't get any better manual than Scripture. 
And if you offer yourself to assist the hungry and satisfy the need of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your soul in scorched and dry places. Give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up and restore the age-old foundations of buildings that have been laid waste. You will be called the repairer of the breach, restorer of streets with dwellings. Next person. Come on, I've got room for three more, and then I'm going to have to. this, This is good right here. Come on, your scripture. What's he saying to you right now? Go ahead, brother. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm really learning to lean into him and finding out what a good shepherd he is in my life. It's changed my life like nothing else ever has that I can remember. The Lord is my shepherd. I want to do it his way in his time, and it will work. And when I get out there in front thinking I know what he wants me to do, I fall flat on my face. So I'm learning from my good shepherd. Amen. Next. I have one. It's Ezekiel 21, 26. Thus saith the Lord, remove the turban, take off the crown. Things shall not remain as they have been. Come Come on. Exalt that which is low and abase the high. Do you know what the secret, what's irresistible to God is humility. He resists the proud mm-hmm. and gives grace to the humble. If we will humble ourselves right here, if we will humble ourselves right here, right now, if we'll abase ourselves, if we'll put our face in the dirt and say, God, I'm yours. Read that again. That's, that's the counsel of God. Thus saith the Lord, remove the turban, take off the crown. Things shall not remain as they have been. Things shall not remain as they have been. Exalt that which is low and abase the high. Got one over here. This is a strange verse for me to read, but it's Zechariah 3, 8 through 9. And this is in the message translation. Careful high priest, Joshua, both you and your friends sitting here with you, for your friends are in on this too. Here's what I'm going to do next. I'm introducing my servant branch. And note this, this stone that I'm placing before Joshua, a single stone with seven eyes, decree of God of the angel armies. I'll engrave with these words, I'll strip your land, I'll strip this land of its filthy sin all at once in a single day. At that time, everyone will get along with one another and the friendly visit across the fence, friendly visits on one another's porches. Oh, God, bring us to humility. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? You can meet me halfway. (laughs) (laughs) Psalms 51, 10. Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. I've got one. You got one here? I'm going to read mine and then whoever else wants to. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful in how he builds upon it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. My original one was the Holy Spirit just confronting me or Jesus and said, Preach. But I've been on <clears throat> Jeremiah 29.7. Pray for the city, region, I add state, nations, where I've placed you. For in its welfare, you'll have welfare. Amen. So if it doesn't have welfare, I'm not going to have welfare. Pray for the city, the region, where I've sent you. Yes. And in its welfare, you will have welfare. Amen. And for now, we're going to let this brother be the last one, just only because of time. These are also good, but just because we want to move this thing, we'll let this brother. Do you Psalm, have one, Byron? Okay. Psalm 46, uh, God our refuge. God is our refuge and strength, the helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, Come on. though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil, there is a river. Its streams delight the city of God, yes, the sir. holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He burns up the chariots. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. Exalted mm. among the nations, exalted on the earth. On. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Byron, I think you had one. Did you have one? You positive? So I want it if you got it. All right. So I want to take five minutes and just kind of help you get to know me just for a minute. And I don't, I don't like doing this. I don't like talking about myself. But I've been doing this all my adult life. And I am more comfortable in a group of leaders I've never met before than I am in a congregation of believers. I am so used to being with, it's all I do. And I do it all over the country and all over the world. I do it on internet, I do it on Zoom, I do it in place and location. And you are Whoever, whichever leader is sitting in, in front of me next is the most important thing to me because I realize that they 
represent hundreds, if not thousands of people. And if I can help you be more successful, if I can help you fulfill the call of God on your life, then I guess every convert, every disciple, every deliverance, every healing, every miracle, I get a little piece of that. I get a little chink. You know what I mean? That's what I want to do. And I live in, I live near Branson, Missouri. Uh, and over the last, I don't know however many years it's been, I'm 62 or something like that. I started in ministry when I was 19, was married. And so I've been doing this a little while, not as long as Gerald, but not, most people aren't alive as long as Gerald, so I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, but God's blessed me, and I've sought him, and, and I've been dependent upon him because there's nothing good in me. There's no good thing in me. And he just talked, has talked to me through the years and kind of led me along because I needed so much help. And so out of that, we've planted about 60 churches in the U.S. And I don't, I don't plant them and then own them. I, I want to raise up sons and daughters to get married and go off and have their own families, become mothers and fathers that have sons and daughters. I'm not interested in apostolic networks. I'm not interested in a tithe of the tithe. I'm not interested in any of that. In fact, I think it's a bunch of silliness. Amen. I hear a lot of people talking about apostolic work, very few people doing it. And I want to see the fruit of their labor. When they start t teaching me how to do apostolic work, I go, well, take me around. Let me see these leaders you've trained. Let me see your 12. Let me see your 70. Let me see your churches. Let me see your ministry teams. Let me see your apostolic companies. Because the guys that wrote this book, they, the proof was in the pudding. They produced something. They didn't just know how to organize human beings into great big corporate structures. They actually saw they, they actually had harvest, they had fruit, they had measurable harvest. And let me just, let me just get into it for a minute. I, I find it amazing that people don't know what you mean when you say apostolic. I find it just amazing. Let me, let me tell you something. This book right here was written by two ministry gifts, two wasn't written by pastors and teachers. It was written by apostles and prophets. This half of the book was written by prophets, and this part of the book was written by apostles. So if you've read the Bible at all, you've read what's come out of the spirit of prophets and apostles, and you're built upon those foundations. And you don't have to create a denomination out of that. It's the only way the kingdom works. It's how this thing works. And I sat with pastors all day long and they said, I don't know what an apostle is. We, you know, we have pastors, we know what a pastor is, we know what a teacher is, we know what an evangelist is, but we don't know what an apostle is. And I said, really, you haven't read the Bible? Because what an apostle is is what an apostle does. And Jesus trained 12 of them out of the 70. He picked out 12, and all 12 of them were apostles. Yes. He made sure he was investing the majority of his time into 12 guys that were apostles. 
And if you want to find out what he taught them, then just read the book of Acts and read the epistles and look at what they did because they were good disciples and they did what he taught them to do. We've made it too complicated. We've made it too hard. This is simple. Say this with me. Say, truth is simple. Lies are complex. And so when it gets complicated, it's probably a lie. If you can't understand it, <laughs> just look at what Jesus did. So how did he platform his ministry? This one guy shows up from heaven. He's sent from heaven on a missionary journey to earth. The Lamb of God, our apostle, the high priest. Now I know he's our shepherd. I know he's our rabbi, our teacher. I know he's our prophet. I know he is our, our uh, evangelist, declarer of the good news. But all we got to do is do what he did. His life is our pattern. His, his life is our pattern. His life is your pattern. And if you think you know what a pastor is and you don't even know what an apostle is, I'm suspicious that you don't know what a pastor is. Most people think pastors, what they think pastors are, they're actually helps ministries or deacons imitating pastors. Pastors aren't helps ministries. Pastors are leaders. They shepherd the flock. They have staff. A staff is a rod of authority. It's a, it's a weapon. And it's a rod of correction. And it's a rod of deliverance. But most church members will take more correction from a football coach on a high school football field than they will from their pastor. And so what we have is a bunch of deacon helps ministries imitating pastors and a bunch of sick, emancipated churches that are doing nothing, going nowhere, just making some people feel good. And we have pastors and elders and we have apostles and prophets and evangelists all confused about their identity. And look, if you don't know how to move out of your grace, then you can't access, if you don't understand your grace, there's something that happens to you when you begin to preach out of your grace or function out of your grace or work or prophesy out of your grace, out of your calling. There's something that happens to you. You become a different man. It's like you jump into a phone booth as Clark Kent, but you come out as Superman because the grace of God, Jesus said it this way, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to do this, 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 and this. He didn't do what he did by his own initiative or own natural ability. He did what he did in conjunction with and in teamwork with the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And if we're still, we've had the Bible for all these thousands of years and we're still down here messing around trying to figure out and really what we're trying to figure out when most apostolic conversations happen that I've been around 
is who's going to be in charge of who. Who's going to be the boss? Who's going to be the leader? If you can't figure out who the leader is, you may not be saved. If you can't submit to authority and follow authority and look for authority and find it and flow with it, you may not be saved. If you want the authority, you may not be saved at all. You may be just like Lucifer who wanted to take over in heaven. No, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I'm, I want to kick the devil's butt out of anything we're doing. And those attitudes and those mindsets, God is opposed to the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Are you with me? Replatforming your ministry. A couple of questions. So I was going to talk about myself. I don't like doing that. If you have questions, ask, but I, I don't want, I don't, Holy Ghost, I don't want to do that. But I guess I need to a little bit. Um, so I've planted a bunch of churches. But, but you don't plant churches unless you raise up leaders. Your ministry is either succeeding or failing based upon whether or not you're raising up leaders. Where are the pastors and leaders and teachers and workers and elders and deacons that you have raised up, where are they right now? Because your main job is not ministering to people. Your main job is ministering to the people who are going to minister to the people. Jesus trained the twelve so they administered to the multitudes. You're a seed and you've got to reproduce after kind. That's what he said, be fruitful and multiply. So if you're a leader, if you have a calling, if you have grace then you've you got to understand what Jesus did. The magic formula, the missing jewel of the whole thing was he started making disciples. And he made disciples to look and act like him and think like him and do what he did. He said, the same things I do, you're going to do because I'm going to the Father. And when I go to the Father, we're going to release the Spirit and the Spirit of the Lord's going to be upon you and he's going to anoint you to do this stuff. You can minister to 30 or 40 people. That's about all. They'll wear you out. So why not raise up 30 or 40 leaders and let them minister to 30 or 40 each? The exponential growth of that starts seeing a flock and a fold and flocks and folds that make a difference. And instead of bringing people into the kingdom, that we leave without, with, as sheep without a shepherd. Did Paul raise up leaders? Did the apostles raise up leaders? The book of Acts is replete with story of rank upon rank, wave upon wave of leaders coming to the forefront. Say, so my job, uh, you got to do this with me. Say, my job, my job. is not to minister my job is to raise up ministers. My job is to minister to ministers who minister to people. My job is to multiply myself. So what happens in that is that then determines where you invest your time. When Gerald said, he always, he's at a time in his life where he always has time for leaders. 
I've been at that time in my life for over 40 years. I've never gotten out of that time in my life. That's my calling. And the first thing I recognize as a young leader is if I put off the notion that I was busy, 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 respectful people wouldn't call me because they had respect for my time. And I quit saying I'm busy, busy, busy. I quit talking about everything I was doing. None of their business anyway. They're the reason why I'm here. And so when I'm asked, I say, I got all kinds of time. You're the reason I exist. Here's my phone number. Call me. Let's talk. You want to drive somewhere and meet and have coffee? Let's get together. Let's talk. Let me tell you, the coffee shop meetings are more important than the pulpit. Amen. The meeting after the meeting with the pastor is more important than the revival. That's the real meeting. That's where God really shows up, and that's where lasting work happens. How interested was Paul in his leaders, in his Timothys, in his Tituses, Barnabas, Silas? Even Onis Onesimus, little Onesimus. How interested was he in those relationships? When Jesus told the disciples to follow him, what he was basically saying is, I'm giving you access to me. And folks, if people don't have access to you, they can't get what you have. Because you can't write it in a book and expect them to get it. Everybody's asking me, what about the books? Well, I've written some books, but they don't work, honestly. I've got some sermons on the internet, but that doesn't work. Let me tell you what you need. Two, three weeks ago, uh, I had a young uh, minister, young prophet from uh, Panama City, Panama, the country. And uh, he flew to the U.S. and he came and he wanted to just spend time. I said, sure, come on up and just stay with Cheryl and I. And uh, so, you know, we, we don't have much. We don't, we, don't, we don't live in a fancy place. We live in a little condo apartment. We have two bedrooms, but one of them is taken up into an office. And so what we do is we blow up an air mattress and here you are, my brother. If you really want to be here, don't you waste my time. I'll give you a pallet on the floor. I'll give you an air mattress. If you really want to be here, but you're going to live my schedule. And my schedule is spent in the presence of the Lord. So at... 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm up, and I'm waiting on God. So at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, he was up, and he was waiting on God. And after that, we didn't get about our day. That was our day. It was, if we did anything, it was to talk to him. Our day was waiting on the Lord. And so what he was doing was he was meditating on the scriptures. He doesn't need me. He needs Jesus. Let me tell you something. Jesus still retains the right to disciple every one of his followers. And what they need to know is that you got to get it from him. I love that about Evan Roberts and the Welsh Revival, is that he would go in a meeting, and, 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 and that revival didn't just affect one congregation. They, they needed every seat in town. I don't care if this room gets full or not. That won't even be a thimble full of what God needs. If you have real revival, come to Skytook. 
But he wants the Baptist church. He wants the Christian church. He wants the Assembly of God church. He wants every place that they believe the Bible and honor Jesus. There's a, that's the amount of seats we have. And they'll only hold, I'll guarantee you, I don't know this for sure about this town, but if you added all the seats up in the, in the city, uh, it, it probably won't hold 10% of the population of this area. It won't hold 10. That's about the average. We have, and then we go, we've got too many churches. There's a church on every corner. No, you're just a little competitive nincompoop that don't understand that the kingdom is better, bigger and better than anything you've ever. Is this okay? Can I just tell you? Let me tell you, we need more churches. We need more ministries. We need more ministers. One reason why is because we ministers manage our time so poorly. I want you to live in the face of God. So that when you speak with this word in your hand, your face signs like an angel like Stephen's did on the day that they stoned him. So that your words are like knives cutting to the flesh, to the heart of those people around you. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness. If you're not being persecuted, you're not doing much. For thus they persecuted the prophets before you. You gotta live in the face of God. You gotta take each one of those scriptures that you spoke and you gotta spend hours, put it to music, play it over and over, record it, listen to it until you hear his voice inflection on every syllable and that you understand that thing from every angle all the way around it. Meditate on it. Ask of me. I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, why am I wanting? Because the Lord ain't your shepherd. That's what it is right there. If he were your shepherd, you wouldn't be wanting. Well, then, preacher, you're saying that I got a problem. Yeah, you got a problem. If you're living at 30-fold or 0%, then you got a problem. The seed isn't the problem. The word of the truth isn't the problem. Let me tell you what the problem is. It's your heart is the problem because it's the condition of the soil that determines the harvest. The seed is incorruptible. It's perfect. But if you got 30-fold soil, that's your problem because the scripture says, tend your heart, tend your soil with all diligence for out of it life flows. It'll bubble out of you. It'll flow out of you. You don't need another book. You don't need another tape. You don't need another seminar. But you might need another song. When they played those songs tonight, every once in a while they play a song and my hands just throw in the air. It says, that's it. That anointing right there. You see, in the anointing is the revelation. <laughs> he anoints his word. And when he starts speaking his word, what am I talking about? I'm talking about replatforming your ministry. Start with your personal relationship with God. Start with your vocational relationship with God. Start with your, do you have the kind of relationship with God that a pastor should have? Do you have the kind of relationship with God that an apostle should have? How many people are you responsible for? 
I did this one time. I said, we had planted a few churches, and I was like, God, how many people are my words going out? How many? And, and, I, and I started adding up the size of the churches and ministries that we were overseeing. It was about 10,000 people. I was a young man then. I said, oh, God, I guess I better start paying attention to what I say. Because you can mess it up just by speaking lies. And a lie is a truth that's not, it's, it's, it's a truth, but it's not spoken in season. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can speak truth out of season or without the anointing, and all you get is a pharisaical law. But you, if you're going to have the difference between grace and truth is that grace is on time and precise. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you just start speaking what you know. I don't need to know what you know. I need to know what he's saying. And you're a vessel. You're, you are carrying his words. And we don't pay very much attention to it. I loved it, being around David Payne yesterday. He said, I'm going home. I said, what, what are you going to do at home? He says, I'm preparing a sermon. I'm working over a sermon. I've got to preach tomorrow. I'm working on it. Okay, that's good. I hope you're not doing that. Not David, this is no uh, thing against you. But I hope you're not doing that just to make yourself look good. I hope you do that because the people that you have are his prized possession. is his cherished possession. And they deserve fresh manna, fresh bread off the ovens in heaven. Are you getting this? So I, I, I remember just saying that my relationship with God is the most important thing about it. Now, there are little nuggets. There are little nuts and bolts truths. There are little principles that he has given us through the years and through his word that really help things along. But I'm telling you, there isn't anything better than hungering and thirsting after him. It's why David became so smart, and it's why David could train Solomon so well so that Solomon could write Proverbs. He said, Your father, my father and mother taught me this, and I'm binding it as a garland upon my head. Do you understand what I'm saying? David and Bathsheba, they were some awesome parents. And they trained that young man. Two questions that you need to ask yourself if you're going to, if you're going to replatform your ministry. The first one, and you need to get honest. What do I need to stop doing if I'm going to get where I'm going? And let me tell you, there's a lot of it that we just do because we're comfortable with the routine. And the second one is, what am I going to have to start doing if I'm going to increase my harvest? Are you with me? So having said all that, I guess that's my introduction of me. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't do a very good job of that. But I will, I will say these things to you, that we have a beautiful uh, old country church, probably seats 200 people. We've got, it's, it's, it's got a parsonage there. We've got dormitory type space in the basement. We have girls that are in recovery 
that are living there right now. We're setting up guest rooms. We're starting to have conferences. Gerald comes over and at Branson every four, every three months. We do these every three months. It's called LEAD, L-E-A-D. And we just get together with a group of leaders just like this, and we spend a Friday and a Saturday. And we just do this. We talk. Sometimes we'll have a guest speaker. But, but I've been doing that for 20 years. We called it the School of Tyrannus. And I think for you apostolic leaders out here, I really want to encourage you to give some thought to doing this kind of gathering on a regular basis and praying into it. Prepare your heart for it. Cut out, cut out all the fluff because we need to have roundtable. We need to hear what God is. We need to know how to do this. We've all been raised in an American church that's given us a model that doesn't work anymore. And we don't need an American ministry. We need a biblical ministry. I'll tell you something else I think you ought to do. You, ought, you need to realize that this thing does not work based on uh, being independent or without connections, but it also doesn't work by denominations because those aren't real relationships either. Let me tell you how it works. It works based on apostolic companies. And if you are a ministry, you may be a pastor, a teacher, evangelist, a prayer warrior, uh, you know, an intercessor, you may be a worship person, you may be a helps. But if you're a, if you're a minister, you're involved in ministry, and you aren't connected to an apostolic company, you're going to have trouble making it. You will, you will be blessed if you will find your tribe and if you will connect to an apostolic company. And you go, well, what is an apostolic company? Well, there's, let me tell you, there's apostolic companies, and then there's apostolic teams, and then there's apostolic churches, okay? Apostolic companies send out apostolic teams that raise up apostolic churches. Apostolic churches, and I'm not talking about oneness churches, I'm talking about churches with the foundation, the apostles and prophets in them. Apostolic churches will then have in them pastoral communities, teaching, teaching ministries, prophetic, and all that. You know, but you want apostolic prophetic foundations in the work that you're doing. And so if you are a minister and you're not connected, if you're a Timothy and you haven't found your Paul yet, that's a problem. And I'm not trying to recruit you to some kind of networking scheme because the kingdom works by covenant. And I guarantee you, if you're really a Timothy and you really have a God call in your life, then there is a Paul somewhere, somehow, yeah. for you. And, and it works by covenant, so you got to be, you got to work to make yourself available. That's why that kid drove or flew over here from, from Panama to spend four days at my house sleeping on an air mattress because he needs, he, he can't make full use of his ministry in the current context of relationships that he's, that he's in over there. He's alone and he needs to connect. And I, I want to talk about, I want to finish up by talking about what, God, what I see in this room tonight. What I really believe the Holy Spirit's wanting to do here is he's wanting to raise up an apostolic company. Okay, and he wants you to understand that you're designed to be in it and your ministry effectiveness is going to increase exponentially 
if you'll be a part of an apostolic company, you say, well, why would I do that? I'm already pastoring a church. Well, that's all you're doing is pastoring a church. That's the problem. You need to, you need to ask God for the nations. And you need to be, you, you have gifts that could be used in other cities and other places and other nations. And your gifts aren't going to be used. You have what the body of Christ needs. You are the carriers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. And you got to get connected to the, to the circle and circles. You can actually participate in more than one apostolic company. Okay? In fact, when Jesus trained the 12, they... He had 12 apostles pastoring the first church in Jerusalem. We don't do that as apostles. We each want to carve out our own little sphere at, so we can be in charge of it. That's not how this thing works. It works by covenant. It works by team. It works by ministry. And Jesus' biggest problem with those guys during the three years that he had them in Bible college was getting them to, to see each other properly and to serve one another and to see that the lease was the greatest one among them, to get their relationships right. And he would not release the Spirit. The Father would not pour out the Holy Spirit upon them until they worked out all of their issues. And that's what I believe they were in the upper room doing. They were repenting to one another for all the stupid stuff they did on the trail for those three years. It'd take a while. I, I would have, I, I would have uh, the story of Peter trying to walk on water. I would have that down in a joke form so that any time Peter started to succeed a little bit or preach a good message, I go, remember him walking on water? Remember that day he jumped out of the boat? I would, knock, I would know how to put him in his place because I'm just that carnal. And I'm not for sure. You remember, remember the time he told the Lord that he, that he couldn't wash his feet? <laughs> remember the Lord told him. And then he wanted him to wash his whole body. Peter just doesn't get it. He's kind of dense. Do you remember that time when he... When, he, when the Lord rebuked him in front of all of us, said, get thee behind me, Satan, for you have set your mind on man's interest, not on God's. We had that one barbecue that one time when the Lord made fish for us, and he had to take a long personal walk with Peter just to reestablish things. Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Well, you know why he did that? See, we're gossiping. Why did he do that three times? Well, because he denied him three times. At least I didn't do that. And so the Lord in his infinite wisdom decides that Peter is going to be the leader of that group. And that they're going to have to submit to Peter. And Peter taking his stand with the eleven. Isn't that amazing? And then in his infinite wisdom, he gives Peter these words in 1 Peter chapter 5. 
Come on, elders, submit to one another in the fear of God. Clothe yourself with humility. If there's anybody that didn't have humility before, it was Peter, but Peter got some humility. And even Paul rebuked him openly. And Peter immediately repented, or he would have disappeared off the scene because we're not messing around when we're talking about God's house, God's people, God's kingdom. We're not messing around. So what's the way to replatform your ministry? The first way is humble yourself underneath the mighty hand of God so that he will exalt you. Do you know it takes all kinds of pressure off me when I get humble? Instead of coming to the Lord and saying, but Lord, I did this and I did that. and I, I just, I'm just learning to come and say, I know I'm wrong. I just can't see how I'm wrong. Just help me. And you know what? That's so attractive to him. That's irresistible to him. When I, when I come hum humbly before him. But if you haven't found your apostolic company, and here's, here's, the, here's the problem I see here, is that you haven't even found it because you have never even formed it. You don't even know that that's how this thing worked. There's loose associations, but there's no definitions. Did you know that apostolic companies have to have money to operate? That's usually why Peter carried the, or Judas carried the bags. They had, they had portions, they had bags. They had to have money. They pick up offerings from this place and take it to that place. That's what happened. And we have budgets set up for churches, and we have, but we don't have any budgets set up for extra local ministry. And so what we really think apostolic is, is somebody that has a big church and has more money they can use. And so then they take some of this money and they, they become a resource center and that we call that big pastor with a lot of extra, we call them an apostle. But the apostles of the Bible weren't pastoring big churches. They were traveling out and serving. And they had churches supporting them. And Philippians says, hey, I received your gift. It was a sweet sacrifice. But they knew the mailbox to mail it to. They knew to where to send the gift. They knew that, they knew Paul needed it, that he was... He, was, he wasn't in their nice church building. He was in a jail cell. They knew he needed it, that he was turning Rome upside down from inside of the jail cell. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. Most of you, when you go plant a church, the first thing you're worried about is a building. Did you know the last thing God's worried about is a building? That's the last thing. When I hear guys talk, and I just had a little conversation this week, with some church planters, which I love doing. And they were like, this building, that building. I said, God doesn't care about that. You can meet under a tree. You need to get your thinking right. <laughs> you have already just exactly what God wants you to have. Now start taking care of sheep. Start taking care of people. Just focus on people because it's not brick and mortar. It's living stones that he's interested in. And to take care of living stones, you've got to take care of yourself first in the presence of the Lord. And Jesus needed all kinds of building. Most of his ministry was on the trail and in the home. And he needed Lazarus' house. He got it. He needed the temple at times, and he got it. He needed a fishing vessel at times, and he used it. <laughs> Lauren Cunningham started one of the greatest ministries, missionary ministries that we've known in our lifetime called Youth with a Mission. 
He never even had an office. His office was wherever he was. Didn't have an office. Say this with me. Say, he just had a beating heart. All I need is a beating heart. Is your heart beating? Then you're the church. You're the temple. You're the dwelling place of God in the spirit. All you need is a beating heart. And God, Jesus' favorite place on earth was Lazarus' house, was Bethany. So you're going to need houses, you're going to need cars, you're going to need buildings. And so two years ago, they gave us a building in Branson, Missouri. That's why we're there. It's a beautiful building. We have these meetings there every three or four months. And we're raising up an apostolic company there. And so in the last two years, we brought in, we've had about 20, 25 girls come through that recovery center. And then we've now bought another building in Millersburg, Ohio, a big Victorian building. And I'll be going out there four times a year. Jim Schrock will manage that. And then I had a young guy that, that's in Boston that we sent out to Boston years ago. And he, he had, COVID had shut him down. They lost their building. He just had a small house church. And let me tell you, the churches and ministry centers that I'm interested in, this is a beautiful facility. Thank God you've been given this. And let me tell you, this isn't Gerald's. This is God's. <laughs> this isn't Angie's. This is God's. And, and honestly, it's mine. I'm here using it tonight. Because God's put it in their heart to do that. But it's yours, too. You just ate here. You came to their house, like they said, we had company over. And so church here, this is, this is a place where God wants to gather the apostolic company. This is one of the places. But you'll also need houses. You'll need cabins on the lake. You'll need, you'll need all kinds of stuff. You don't have any idea yet. You're just thinking in the American culture of having my little church building. I think you might do better if you got, got rid of your church buildings. <laughs> Not necessarily don't do that, but I'm just saying... Maybe that's one of the things that's hindering you is you're so focused on making the payment or paying the rent that it's killing you. And what you need to do is get mobile and become a see what an apostolic company is. Willie George got it right, by the way. I was driving by his church one day. I looked up there and it said church on the move. Did you know that's what an apostolic company is? It's a church on the move. It's a mobile church. <laughs> that's what it is this group comes through your town next thing you know and they leave you got these believers sprouting up and growing up and so you have a company here but in my evaluation of it I don't even know that you're at 30 percent production yet okay I don't think you're I, I think some of you may be but as a whole I don't think you're and some of you are so out of position with your ministries and, 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 and because you're just focused on this little thing over here and it doesn't take you that much time to do that little thing. You can do that and take care of those people and still be a part of this over here. And being a part of this over here doesn't mean just going to meetings. It means taking your tool bag with you and going to work. 
teaching and preaching and prophesying and praying and doing the work. Does that make sense? And so I'm like, I'm like, God, that's, that's, why don't you get these people organized? I'm sorry. If I'm being too rough on you, I apologize. But apostolic ministry, do what Jesus did. He sent them out two by two. They went to every town and village. They went on, get, let me give you three things. They went on ministry tours or preaching tours where they had multitude meetings and they healed the sick and they preached the gospel. The second thing they did, they went back to preaching points. Some places they came back as a preaching point. Most of you have a church that you're calling a church, but it's actually just a preaching point. It's not a church yet. It's not a church until God gives it government. It's not a church. It's not a church. It's a ministry center. It's, it's a preaching point. And then thirdly, they would plant churches. But out of Jesus' old ministry, he only planted one. And it was in Jerusalem. And he made everybody move there to get it planted. And out of Paul's old ministry, he only planted 20 of them. Over his life, he planted 20, minute, 20 churches and he planted them in four regions of the world. And he didn't, dis, he didn't connect them all to a big nation, a big international denomination. He wasn't looking for the tithe of the tithe. He was grateful when he got an offering from them sometimes. But they were willing to give and sacrifice and serve not only him, but also the other churches that were suffering. How many of you want to replatform? How many of you are willing to replatform? You're willing to take a fresh look at it. So I want you to be a part of an apostolic company. I, I'm going to stop talking here in a minute and let you ask questions or make comments. I'm wanting you to ask yourself a couple of questions. What do we got to do that we're not doing? And what have we got to stop doing that we're doing? Okay. I want you to ask yourself, what am I producing right now? 30, 60, 100. Or, or 10, 20%. Gerald, is there anything else you wanted to jog my memory on that I should talk about? Any question you could guide me in? Am I hitting the... Yeah, just some of that conversation. The problem was you guys are kicking me out in the rain. Yeah. I don't know if I remember. <laughs> no, you, you and I yesterday about noon. Okay. We came back from Tulsa. But it's okay. It's good. Well, one of the keys to making an apostolic company, most of you guys understand if you're going to plant a church or set up a ministry, you've got to have books. You've got to have finances. You've got to have some way to finance it. And you're going to have to think that through about financing apostolic work, too. And some of you guys that have become a part of the apostolic company, you need to be contributing to some kind of a, a, a purse so that you can do things. What if God said, what if God showed up here tonight and he said, look, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to do. What does that mean, separate them? Does that mean you just ship them out and they're on their own? Or does that mean you fund them? You see what I'm saying? What if the Lord came in here and said, I want you to plant a church with these guys over in Owasso. How are you going to do that? What if God says, I want 
Earl and Jan to do this in their situation. How are you going to do that? You're going to have to have some funds. And if you can't hear God in your giving, you're not going to hear God in your living, especially in your ministry. Are you with me? So let me just, is, is there any comments or thoughts? Am I stirring anything in you? The government thing. You said uh, preaching points and such as, but said you don't really have a government. Yeah. Until you have, see, God gives gifts to the church. He gives some as apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. But he also told, he also told Timothy, go appoint elders in every city. And he gave him a list of what the elders should look like. Go appoint deacons. You don't have a church plant until you have a fully functioning government. And that's not just one person. That's a team. And it's got to be who God really called there. If you don't have a functioning government, you don't have a church. See, the Bible says that the government would be upon his shoulders and of the increase of it and of, and of peace, there'll be no end. Government brings peace. Government brings order. The church is the city of God in the earth. I think the highest place there is, the highest thing your ministry should accomplish would be building and planting and establishing churches. Okay. And I don't care if it's a house church I don't, or if it's a mega church or if it's a motorcycle church or a cowboy church or whatever kind of. But it's not a church. It's just it's a ministry until it has government, until it has leadership, real intact leadership. And the kind of leadership that see, there are people that are called to stay and there are people that are called to go. And the government of the house has got to involve both people that are called to stay, but it's also got to call, involve people who are called to go. So in my situation, most mistakes are made early on in establishing government, okay? I, I think this would be worthwhile to let me, let me do this real quick. This might help you more than anything. Jesus is the cornerstone, correct? Right. So he is the cornerstone. And the purpose of a cornerstone is you use a cornerstone in building a house, correct? And the purpose of a cornerstone is every other measurement in the house comes off the cornerstone. Every window, every shingle, every picture you hang, every two by four stud comes off this cornerstone. And so Jesus says, I am the cornerstone. Jesus is this cornerstone. And this will never change, but it will ever grow. Don't ever think you've got the foundation of Christ finished. He's like a root system. He's a root out of dry ground. He's a root that will grow deeper and wider. But there are some things within your foundation that will change. And the first thing is your government. And your government is who is your pastors or pastor. Your government is who are your leaders. Who has Christ given you? Do you know who? Do you know how to tell who the leader is? 
Because that's a choice God makes, not man. If you decide that you're going to have voting to establish that one, you just need to tear the hang down in the, middle, in the, in the beginning. Amen. Voting is of the devil. Amen. That's not how the church works. <laughs> you know how many churches have the devil voting in their business meetings? Here's how you know who the leader is. He's the one God talks to. Aaron and Miriam rejected Moses one time, wanted to correct him. And the Lord said, look, I do talk to you guys in dreams and visions, but him I talk to face to face. He's your leader. And she got smitten with leprosy. That, you got to get, you, you, we, we could talk for a week on government. And the biggest mistakes that are made in churches, how many pastors have ever been fired or kicked out or voted out of a church? Anybody here? Okay, so, so how many of you know somebody that's had that happen to them? Let me tell you where the problem came from. It came from right there. Came, came from the government. Okay, it also might have come because they were too stubborn to leave. And God finally just ruffled the nest enough to get them out, you know. Okay. The next one is vision. What is the vision of this apostolic company? What is the vision of this church? Okay. The next one is values. These are things you believe, biblical truths. Okay. And the last one is your philosophy of ministry. And you've got to work with these. This is who, okay, this is, it's, he's the cornerstone, okay, uh, this is who he gives you as leaders, this is what you're going to do, this is why you're going to do it, and this is how you're going to do it, and that's all a part of the cornerstone. It's all part of the foundation. The only thing is, is that these are slabs and you can pull them out and make changes. No, you just have to hear God on where you're sitting better. That's all right. I'm sorry. Is that enough? Or? So, so what I'm... So here, here's how church splits happen. They start singing off the screen to piped in music instead of having live musicians. Okay? That's just a philosophy of ministry. That's how we're going to do it. Who cares how we do it as long as we're worshiping? Okay? But someone gets a chink about that. And they just play that PA system too loud. Well, I don't like the song she's picking out. Are you hearing me? And so you got a ping. The next thing you know is they're coming down here and saying, those songs that she's picking out aren't even biblical. That's not from the Bible. 
And that isn't what David's tabernacle of worship did. It begins to attack the values. And the next thing you know is to go, well, that wasn't our vision when we first started. <laughs> you know? And the next thing you know, I don't know what our leaders are thinking. This just isn't feeding me anymore. I don't even know if they're saved. <laughs> Rock and roll church. <laughs> and you got a church split. Now, I barely touched that. But you've got to go to his word and say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me in the word. Lord, who are our leaders and how is our leadership team supposed to work? How does leadership in a house work? And it's what we're dealing with here. Some of you are still struggling with what I said is you need to be a part of an apostolic company. Well... Just keep in your 30% harvest then. At least you're doing that. But the scripture says to make full use of your ministry. And you're valuable. You really are. Some of the best people I've ever met are right here in this room. And you, it's just a new way of thinking. And there's more fields of service and more work that you can do than you've ever thought of before. And maybe this isn't your company, but there is a company somewhere for you. Do you understand know what I'm saying? And we're talking about government when we're talking about apostolic strategy. We're talking about apostolic companies, apostolic teams. Are you with me? Is that, am I, am I okay there, boss? Okay. So does anybody else have a question or comment or anything you want to ask or say? I've talked long enough, probably. Here's what I saw in my spirit. If we could do this, if we could put a couple of chairs right here. Just two chairs. That's perfect. Here comes another one. Just push them out a little bit where people can stand in back of them and in front of them. Put them just right beside each other. Okay. And he showed me that there's somebody here today that in your ministry, <laughs> somebody here today that doesn't know how to run furniture. If I could just, if we could just belabor this that you're in a place where you're, you're needing to hear from God. And you're in a place where you just need prayer. And you're in a room full of people that are prophetic and that can hear God's voice and that can pray over you and that can bless you. And that may not normally be accessible to you. Are you with me? And as I'm giving you these words, you're feeling this thing build up inside of me. Oh my, that's me. Okay, if that's you, there's a couple at least, there may be more than one couple, but I'm just gonna do one couple at a time. I'd like for you to just get out of your chair, come up and sit on this altar. And what we wanna do is minister to you. We wanna lay hands on you. We wanna pray for you. 
and I don't want to force you, but I just sense the Lord wants to minister to you. He loves you. Just sit down right there. I don't care. Number one. I'll be I'll be your number two. How about that? <laughs> Do you know these people in this room? Most of them. Some okay. Of them. So we're going to minister to this brother, and then, now you guys aren't a couple, right? right. So why don't you wait, just sit right there in my spot, or your spot, and I'll, we'll get you here in just a minute, okay? I just want, I want little ministry teams, does that make sense? What'd you say, Steve? ha. <laughs> Uh, see now you guys are acting like Peter making fun they're making fun of Peter. I don't know. I didn't I didn't do very good preaching tonight. Would you start praying for our brother from from your seats? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Yeah, I'm going to open it up here in a minute. And I just, if God, if God really gives you a word, that, just relax your gift unless you know you have a word that comes out of your office. Because I'm not just looking for generic prophecies. I'm looking for prophecies out of office that really launch. Okay, and so don't feel don't feel pressured to to do anything. I'm just gonna stand behind you. Okay, good. Hallelujah, and just realize that these words are gonna be judged. One will speak, and the others will sit by and judge. I'm gonna go ahead and start out, and then someone join me. This is called a presbytery. This is the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Oh. Well, you've been befuddled. You've been, uh, it's like tumbling bricks falling around. You can't, you haven't been able to figure it out. But God says, I'm coming to rescue with you with understanding. I'm coming to give you confirmation and affirmation. And I'm coming to help you to reach back into ancient paths, into ancient things, and to draw to mind and to remind yourself of the, of, of the words that I've given you in, in seasons in the past. Because your day isn't over. Your day isn't over. Even when we get older, although our outer man decays, our inner man grows stronger day by day. And the Lord says, I'm going to come and I'm going to visit you with uh, fresh anointing, fresh oil, fresh fire. I'm going I'm to come and let my son is, is, is going to personally make himself so clear to you. And I, I just hear this kind of thinking coming out of you, my friend, is that, is it over? Have I missed it? Am I done? Is this all? And not by a long shot's what I'm hearing. And uh, I, I just, just feel like that what the Lord does, he does by his spirit. He doesn't do by a natural strength. He does by his spirit. 
And I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I speak a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I speak an intimacy with God. I speak a, a visitation. If somebody else has a word, especially as I'm prophesying, if you have a word that you know follows mine, come join me and just tap me on the shoulder and tag in. This is called tag team prophecy, okay? Go ahead, sis. <laughs> well, what I saw was that, um, I don't know if it was a grief or a trauma, but it's like, it almost was like a, a, a stabbing along the side. I saw something come and it stabbed you in the side. And then these uh, walls came down to block you in and to wall you in in that place. And I just see that it's like almost like you're just like pull, trying to pull your feet in the mud and it's like sucking in. It's a sucking kind of mud. But the Lord said, I'm placing a place for you to step up a higher, to come up yes. into a new place yes. now. And I'm breaking through the walls and that thing that's tried to hold you back into that old place of trauma. Wounded, I, I don't know if it's grief. It feels like grief. I break the power of grief in the name of Jesus. And I say that God's really shaking the carpet out from under you and saying step on up step on into into this new place because i have a place for you there's an anointing there's a garment of, of, of grace there's an anointing that's coming upon you that's going to begin to push you forward he says i'm coming behind you with a breath and a fresh wind and i'm pushing you into that whole place that new place but you're gonna have to let go of the wall that has held you back or tried to wall you in you're gonna have to lay those walls down because there's something of a trust there's something of a pain it caused you to kind of pull back isolate is what that thing looks like to me is like wall you in and the Lord said I don't want you to isolate I want you to be vulnerable tonight for you to sit down here and say I'll take the prayer is the vulnerability that God was looking for to break you into the new just step on up I believe that's a word from the Lord When you first came here and I looked at you, I saw a jar of clay that was cracked. And the Bible tells us that we are jars of clay, that the excellency of the things of God that are within us may shine forth and show forth. And uh, what I believe I perceive is that uh, the, oh my God, the excellency of yes. the glory of God, Let the, glory the treasure within you is breaking oh, forth. Glory to God. And you cannot stay glory within the God. confines and the boundary of this current clay pot, for it is my power and it is my glory and it is my word that is breaking forth for this season. I'm moving you into a new a new pot a bigger pot it's not that your head or your heart desires a bigger pot but it is that you are a container of my glory and power and this requires a bigger clay pot so don't don't try to stay within the confines of uh, what is what I think is normal or what has always been but just allow the Spirit of the Lord to pull you through that crack in the current pot and place you where there is room, 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 and space, even a new sphere. Uh, the Bible 
talks about, I do not uh, move into another, uh, I, I believe it was Paul, but I do not move into another person's fear. And you have not done that. You have not done this by your own desire. But by the Spirit of God, you are being moved into a, near sphere, a new sphere of influence. Amen. 